<laughs> I hope uh, this has been a, a good week for you. I hope you've had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving and are feeling blessed this morning. I always say either blessed as you came in, I pray blessed um, when you leave. Uh, I want to share a couple things with you before we get into the, the message this morning. Uh, just a couple words of, of appreciation and, and opportunity. Uh, one is want to thank all our thrift store volunteers. If you were one of our thrift store volunteers this week, yeah, um, thank you. The, uh, the thrift store did their annual uh, Christmas sale yesterday, and of course it was a busy day, but it was a busy week for the volunteers because a lot of getting ready. I know many of you saw some of your faces there yesterday, uh, big crowds that always come in. Um, just, just so you know the kind of impact it has, just that day, just yesterday, the thrift stores raised over almost $3,600 for the ministries of the church and, and 120 in donations to our food ministries. So we're very thankful for that. So all of you that are a part of that, hear my, my deep appreciation. We had that going on yesterday. We had our food distribution uh, ministry happening yesterday. So a lot of, a lot of neat stuff was happening. Uh, the other thing I want to let you know of, especially those of you uh, parents and grandparents, maybe you have kids in, in the children's ministry program, as you're down the hall this morning getting your kids, or if any of you see our children's minister, Miss Ethel, around this morning, uh, it is her birthday. So wish Miss, Miss Ethel a, uh, a happy birthday. We want to, to extend that to her when you, when you see her. Then, uh, lastly this morning, I want to again remind you of the opportunity we have this Christmas season to make a difference in the life of kids. We talked to Ryan just saying about being a child of God. Well, we want to bless some children of God this Christmas. And so this morning, if you haven't already seen it, we have, even though we're decorating the building for, for Advent and Christmas next week, we have a single Christmas tree up. And on that tree are tags just like these that are covering the tree. Uh, and these are, basically it's our angel tree. These are opportunities if you would like to purchase a gift for a child this Christmas. Each tag represents a child that is either a student at Blackburn Elementary or Palmview Elementary. And they have supplied us with the, um, the needs and, oppor and gift opportunities for these kids. And if you would like to grab a tag and purchase a gift for a child, this is um, your opportunity to do that. And we're going to be collecting for almost the next month. I'll get to when we have to have everything in in just a moment. But I want to explain the different tags. The smaller tags are an opportunity to buy a single gift for a child. So, for instance, on this tag, it tells me that it's for a girl who's five years old who needs shoes size seven and a half. So if I was purchasing, that's what I would go buy. I would go, go buy shoes. Now, you may say, well, what kind of shoes? We don't get that specific. So just, you know, probably sneakers or something that would be good for a kid to be able to run around in. But so that's what, it, that's what an, a smaller tag represents, a single item. And you can go through those depending on what your um, availability, how much you have to spend, if you can do that. And you can pick um, something that you'd like. And you can take as many tags as you, as you would wish. The larger tags are if you would like to buy four, two or three things for a child. So let, let me kind of try to explain this. There may be two or three tags on the tree for this, the girl that is represented by this number. Um, so there may be somebody can buy shoes for her, somebody could buy a present for her. 
but the bigger tags represent an opportunity to fill a, f a number of needs for a single child. So on this tag, for instance, it tells me that this is for a four-year-old girl. It gives me shirt size, pant size, and some suggestions for a gift that she would like. It says baby dolls, education toys, or a blanket. doesn't mean you need to buy all of those things. It's an opportunity. So, so this, if you, were if you pick a big one, you're saying, hey, I'm willing to buy two or three things for a child. A small one represents a single gift for a child. Does that make sense? Okay. The other thing I need you to understand, on each tag is a number. This one is 11-C. This one is PV2-L. This is how we're keeping track of this. Let me encourage you, when you, if you grab a tag, write down or take a picture of your tag or write down that number. And I say this sincerely. This is how we know every kid is covered. Um, things happen. We understand that. Sometimes, no matter how good our intentions are, things get lost. If you lose a tag, that's how we know what tag you lost, and we can get that information back to you. Because if you take a tag, and you don't purchase for that child, and you forget, or you put it away, and it doesn't get done, that child gets missed. We don't want a child missed. We do not want a child missed. So... We understand things may happen. We keep records of this. So if it does, and we know what your tag number is, we can, we can recover that information. Otherwise, uh, Gail and the team who is leading this at the end of the season have to go through all those gifts, and, and they're going to be doing this anyway and trying to check them all off, but then we're going to be scrambling to get a gift for a kid because we don't want a child missed. So, you know, hear me say this very lovingly and respectfully. Um, be, be very intentional with these. Don't take one until you're sure you can do that. Because we know not everybody can. That's okay. But this is, this is an opportunity. We have 92 children that are represented on that tree. And you know what? If we empty them, we can get more. That's not all the kids that are in need. That's just what, what we have. So there's the opportunity. Now, when you bring the gifts back, one, we're asking you to wrap them. Um, because if, if you can, if you can't, let us know. We'll have some. We'll be able to. But, but really, if you can... Um, can you imagine how much work wrapping 92 kids would be? So if you can wrap that. But attach the tag to the gift. If you have multiple gifts for a child, then write the tag number on each gift so we can, we can log that. We're going to start collecting them next week or whenever they're due. We have to have them by December 16th. Hear me say this. We have to have them by December 16th. Because we have to get them to the schools before they, close, before they, they um, break for Christmas. So we can't get them a week late and get them to the kids. So we have to have them. But you can bring them as soon as you want to. We'll start collecting them either under the tree or somewhere in the gathering place. And then before we take them, we'll, we'll have an opportunity to bless, bless each of the gifts. Did I miss anything, Gail? Anything I forgot? Okay. <laughs> Gail Abbas, if you know Gail, if you have any questions, you can speak to her. You can find me. I'm really excited about this. I'm really, really excited. These are kids that might not otherwise have any kind of Christmas that we're going to be blessing right here in our community. And so this is a wonderful opportunity. I think Gail and the team that she has that put all these tags together because there's a lot of work just in these tags. And um, I hope as you're led. And here's the, thing, here's the thing I'd say to you. We know not everybody has the same means. We talk about this in a lot of ways. Here's what everybody can do. Pray for these kids. Pray, pray for God to bless these kids. So, so this is our opportunity. It'll, the tree will stay up, and we'll continue to reload it until the tags are all gone. And like I said, if we need to, we'll go get some more. 
So um, anyway, so, so again, in the gathering place, and want you, want you to take note of that. So thank you. All right, we are going to, in a moment, turn to the 132nd Psalm. Um, but before we do that, I, uh, I came across an article. This was a few months back. It was um, posted online, but it came from the New York Times. And it was written by a, a young reporter by the name of Alexandra Levine. And she's a metro reporter in, in New York City. And she was reflecting on an experience she'd had recently. She was covering a corruption trial uh, in, there in the city. And she said when she went to the courthouse, they made everybody who was coming in to observe the trial leave their cell phones outside at a collection point. Not turn them off. Actually put them, you could not take them with you into the courthouse. And she was reflecting on that experience, and she said she was interesting language. She said it was both um, inconvenient and um, liberating. She said it was, and, and, and she said it was, and, and the other words, she said it was disoriented and, and free. Disorienting and free. Uh, inconvenient and liberating, disorienting and, and free. And, and it was that language, that disorienting, that I, that I found fascinating. Um, to be without the cell phone. I understood inconvenient, but it was that disorienting part because it was, as she would reflect, it was something that was very, very unfamiliar to her, to be untethered from this piece of modern technology that most of us carry, but we're generationally shaped different. Um, you know, if, if me, our generation, my generation, Tony and I, and those of you that are older than we are, um, a significant portion of your life was spent before cell phones. You know, Tony and I, we did not get our first cell phone until after we were married, and probably, I don't think until it was probably till Ryan was born, thereabouts. And we had one in the car, but it wasn't like, what's that, you were in college? Well, you were spoiled. Um, never mind. <laughs> we're just going to have a side conversation, me and her. I did not get my first cell phone. Until I, until I was in, in ministry. So it was in my early 20s. In fact, my first appointment at St. Paul in Largo, which I talk a lot about, they had a, they had a prayer line, a 24-hour um, prayer line that you could call for, for prayer at any point, and you could leave a message um, on the voicemail, old standard, you know, machine. And when a, when a voicemail went out, when a voicemail was received, a uh, message was sent. It was supposed to be, there was three of us pastors on staff. And it was supposed to be a rotating basis that we would be on call 24-7 so we could immediately tap into the message and pray and respond if needed to. The rotation became just give it to the young guy and make him do it all the time. And so I had, so, but, but my whole point is I carried a page, a beeper, you know, with me. That's how I, I got an alert. The beeper went off and let me know to get to a landline to call and to check the machine. Beepers are technology that, you know, for our kids, that, that what? You know, it's just completely foreign. But, but it changes. But, but the point was, so she's reflecting on this, being kind of untethered, being, being liberated from this. And she started to do a little piece, uh, a reflection piece on the places in New York that you would go that you were not allowed to have your cell phone. And she said there weren't many. She said, obviously, it was the courthouse, and, and if you were in the, you know, visiting the jail, you had to leave your phone, or some government buildings. And then she said, and then there are a few restaurants 
and, a, and, and performance centers, theaters and things. where you. But she said even there, you don't have to give up your phone. You just have to turn it off. Uh, you, you have to. But, but the, the point was there are places where they're trying to force us to voluntarily disconnect, to voluntarily kind of sever the, sever the, 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 the line, if you will, for, for a very short period of time because the idea is there are more important things for us to be focused on in those moments. There, there are things that we need to prioritize and, you know, being available at every second isn't one of them or checking whatever you check on online or playing video games or whatever it is we do with our phones. Those are secondary. We have to be kind of prodded into prioritizing other things. And, and that's, that's an interesting point because that's not natural for us to, to sever those lines. In fact, there's, I, I've came across a piece of technology that was new to me that is being used in some places. And it's a, it's a bag. The one I saw was developed by a company called Yonder, Y-O-N-D-R. And um, it's been used in some theaters where you, uh, when you come in, you're given this, it's a neoprene bag. And you slip your phone into the bag, and you clasp the top. When you clasp it, it locks, and you cannot unlock it. So while you are there, while, you are in the, while you're in the theater or whatever it is, you have your phone with you. You cannot access it. And when you leave, you run the bag over this, this disc, and it releases the lock, and you can take your phone out and go. Now... Whether you like that or not, it's not my point in bringing it up. My point is that we're being forced in places to, to disconnect because it doesn't come naturally to us. It, it's just not something, at least disconnect to connect in more meaningful or what is deemed more si- significant and important ways in those moments. That's not natural. That's not easy for a lot of us to do. And so we turn to our scripture this morning in the 132nd Psalm and what David's going to kind of talk about, and it's just a brief mention, is, is that prioritizing of the most important connections, the most important relationship, if you will, because connections may be just another fancy way of, of saying relationships, the, the things that should matter most to us. Just five verses. I want you to hear this. 100, Psalm 132, beginning at verse 1. It says, Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to bed. I will, not allow, I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that um, we would hear these words that you speak to us and that challenge us and that we'd be shaped by your desire and your hope and your your will for our lives. So bless these words spoken and bless these moments together. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. David says, I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord. No sleep. Till I find a place for the Lord. David is saying that there's, there's something that is the utmost importance, the, the number one priority to him, and that is this place for the Lord. Now, context. David is driven by this desire 
to, to find a home for the Ark of the Covenant. That's what he's praying and talking about here. That, that's what his, his desire is. When he says find a place for the Lord, he's talking about finding a place for this, this sacred vessel that has led the people, that has gone before the people, this, this place that represents the very presence of God. He wants to find a sacred and solemn um, sanctuary for this. And so that's what he's talking about when he talks about finding a place for the Lord. But, but I want to personalize the language a little bit uh, for us and, and, and allow that to be a challenge for us to begin to think about where we prioritize our relationship with God. Where we prioritize and how that is lived out and exemplified in the actions of our lives. Finding a place in our life and in the busyness of our lives to nurture and, and deepen our relationship and our connection to God, the, the, the relationship and the connection that should be of utmost priority for us. See, the, the truth is, we, and I've talked about this before, we are all busy. I realized recently that that has kind of become a default response for me. When, when in conversations, maybe I've made it to you as we've talked, and you've said, well, how are things going right now? Usually, I'll, I'll respond something like this. Things are good. I'm just really busy. I'm just really busy. I have a lot going on. I was in, having a phone conversation with my brother in uh, Pittsburgh just, just yesterday. And uh, he said to me, he said, oh, you're getting ready to head into your busy season. And I thought, I don't think I'm out of the last busy season to head into the next busy season. We, we feel busy. And I know that's not unique to me. That's, that's not like, well, I'm busy, not so much for you. We're all, we're all busy. In fact, um, I came across another article by a writer by the name of Tim Crydell. He's actually a cartoonist, uh, but he's written some essays and short articles, and he had one... Um, and, and it was a reflection, and, and the title of the article was called um, The Busyness Trap. And he talked about this, this response, this, the most common response that, that people gave as he kind of started to pay attention when he'd ask people how they were doing or what was going on was he called it, they were, the response was, I'm crazy busy. He talked about the, the epidemic of being crazy busy. He said, everybody's crazy busy. And in the article, he started to reflect on that and that need that we have to, to be busy. And he, he posed this challenge, this reflective for personal reflection that, that kind of challenged me. He said, how much of our busyness is imposed upon us, things that, that we have to do? If you have a job and you've got to work certain hours, that's imposed. I mean, you need to be at your job or, or tasks that you need to do in relation to, to your employment or things. But, but the things that we have to do versus the things, the busyness that we choose to do. The busyness that we take on voluntarily. Now, hear me say this, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a criticism of that kind of busyness. But it, it began to, to, to challenge me to think through my busyness. What is the busyness that is absolutely essential that I have to do? And what is the busyness that I choose to do? Because part of the, the, the need, the busyness that we experience is our own need to be busy, to, to, to validate our existence, if you will, to feel useful, to feel productive, to feel like we make a difference. We are afraid sometimes of not being busy because idle time is seen as being lazy or is seen as being un, 
um, productive. And so he begins to, to challenge some of that. But, but here's what the, the reflection was for me is that, that I am busy. But here's what I know is that I have the time and I make the time for the things that I value most. If I, if I value it, if it's important to me, I find the time to do it. I find the time to make room for it regardless of how busy I am. We're all very busy, but you know what? On Thursday for a lot of us, life came to a standstill in the normal flow. We changed our priorities for a day or for two. Family came in, Ryan's, you know, as you see here from, from Tennessee, and, and all those things that, that, that need to be done related to work and ministry and other things that got put aside, and we focused on a different kind of busy. Now, we were busy on Thursday or the week. You know, we, we had family in, at the house, so we were getting the house ready. And, 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 and if I say we were cooking, I'm going to get shot at. So I will say... Um, <laughs> Tony was cooking uh, and getting things ready for, for us to have family. But we, we made room for that. You did this in a lot of the things you do because it was important. Because, not just because it was a national holiday, but because we as a nation have put value on this day and, and these opportunities that we have. If, if you had such an opportunity to be with, with family and friends. When, when it's important to us, we make time for it. I did something on Thursday and Friday that um, I have never, ever done before, ever done before. And that is Thursday night at 11 p.m., I drove to the outlet mall. Now, hold your judgment. Because let me explain why I drove to the outlet mall. Friday at 7 o'clock, I drove too. It is because Cassidy, who's back in the sound booth today, um, works at the outlet mall. She works at American Eagle. So she had to work Thursday night, and she had to work on Friday. So we decided, being the good parents that we are, that rather than make her drive her car and park and fight all of that, we would take her to work and we would pick her up. So Friday night at 11 p.m., we drove to the outlet mall to pick her up. And I will tell you, I couldn't get away fast enough. <laughs> there is no sale in the world worth that nonsense. To me. To me. To me. Now, now, listen, if you shop, if you're there, I am not criticizing you. I am not throwing stones. If you're thinking, well, I love it. Because some of you love that stuff. And that is okay. So do not hear any criticism. But no. Kmart, parking lot, full. People walking all the way down. I mean, and here's what I was thinking, though. These are folks, some of you, that a week ago, you would not have had time for that. You would have been way too busy for that. But when there's enough of a carrot dangled, when there's enough of a savings, enough of a stale, enough of a deal, it becomes worth your time. You make the time. You sacrifice sleep and common sense, and you go... <laughs> And you do that. And, and the thing is, we all do that in areas of our lives. It may not be that. But um, it took 30 minutes to get out of the parking lot. Oh, jeez. Oh, um, but, but, but we make time. But we make time. David is saying that this priority of his life this ark, which becomes so symbolic for him of the presence of God, but the importance of God, 
that his most important thing, even more so than sleep, everything is, is driven by the desire to honor God by finding a place for God, finding a place for this holy relic that, that represents the, ver- the very presence of God. When we begin to personalize that, the question becomes, where does our relationship with God rank in our priorities? And how is that witnessed and exemplified in our lives? Do we make time to find a place to nurture that relationship with God? Now, a lot of times you're thinking, well, we're here, right? I'm here. And that's true. You are. And so there's a little bit of, of preaching to the choir because looking around, most of you are here um, on... on <laughs> I meant week in and week out, all right? Some of you have checked out, but um, most of you are here. (laughs) Thank you, dear. You were laughing. You were laughing. My point is that you've made time. You've, you've made time, and, and maybe you make time, in, and hopefully you make time in your day-to-day walk for, for God. And that is really, really important. But, but I also want to challenge us to be careful with compartmentalizing God, creating little moments where God's invited in, and then kind of putting God on the shelf. In fact, in the 13th century, late 13th century, early 14th century, there was a Dominican friar by the name of Meister Eckhart. And um, he oversaw 50 monasteries and, and, you know, and nine convents of, of nuns. He was busy. And he talked about this, though. He, he taught in a sermon. He talked about this habit, even then, that they would have of, of compartmentalizing God, finding moments for God, but then putting God away. He said it was like coming to worship, taking God out, celebrating God's presence, and then when you're done, wrapping God up and sticking him back under the chair. So that he would be there for you next week when you came back. And we have to be, be careful of that kind of a relationship. Because God desires all of our moments. God, God desires us to be open to his presence and to, to the relationship in, in everything that we do. And, and there are unique times and unique ways that we can connect with God, such as worship. But there are other places that God desires to, to meet us if we begin to become open to that. In the 17th century, a, um, a monk uh, by the name of Nicholas Herman was his name. He wrote a book called The Practice and Presence of God. It became kind of a, a classic in, in, um, in, in uh, devotional kind of reading. Uh, his name in the monastery was Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence found that he could experience the power and the tranquility. He talked about the tranquility of God when he was about the everyday chore of his work in the kitchen, washing the dishes and, and preparing and doing the things of the kitchen, he found that even in those moments, if he was intentional about inviting God into the moment, he could experience the same power of God that he said he experienced when he knelt at the holy altar. Now you think about that. To experience God in the everyday, as powerful as you do in the, the moments that we deem the, the holy moments. But the reality is there's a lot of ways that God encounters, and we're wired differently. And God will encounter and be present and real to you in unique ways that, that, that are suited to the uniqueness of which God's created you. I, I've used this as an example before because I know some of you are runners. And I've had runners tell me that it's a time of meditation and even prayer 
as, as they commune and, and would talk to God on these long runs. I have run occasionally in my life, and I've talked to God in those moments. Usually it's, dear God, make it stop. Um, so it's not a holy moment for me, but it may be for you. And that's my point, is to become open, to say with intentionality that, that yeah, we are busy. Yeah, we have a lot going on, and that's, that's okay, but, but are we going to make time? Are we going to make room for, for that which is most important? Are we going to make room for God? Because here's the truth. God first made room for you and for me. God's made room. I mean, you think about this. God has said to us that we can come to him in any time, in any place, in any moment, and have audience with the Lord. There's no moment in which God ever looks at you and says, or to me, and says, mm, not right now, I'm busy. There's no point in which God is, is unavailable to us. So, so when we talk about making room for God, we first must acknowledge that God has made room for us, and God will inter interrupt our routines. God will interrupt our lives to show up in places that we don't expect. When we become open, God doesn't wait for us just to get our, our devotional life perfected. Our spiritual disciplines exactly right for God to show up. God shows up all over the place. And when we begin to prioritize the relationship, we begin to see God where we wouldn't have seen God before. I mean, think about the scriptures. Shepherds like Moses and David, who God just shows up while they're tending the flocks. Or James and Peter and John who are fishing and, God, and Jesus shows up. Disciples on a road to Emmaus who are walking away from a city dejected because they've just seen their master crucified. And Jesus shows up. These were not the places they would have expected, but they found and saw Jesus because Jesus shows up. And when we begin to prioritize the relationship, when we say, even in the busyness, this, I will not rest until I find a place for the Lord. Oh, then God begins to show up because God has made time for us even before we have chosen to make time for God. About a week ago, there was an information meeting here at the church. Um, one, of, one of our many meetings that many of you went to. Some of you maybe were at this one. It was on a Saturday. And, um, and this is not my story. This is somebody else's story, part of this church, but he shared it with me and gave me permission to share it. He said, in the, in the midst of the meeting, or at some point during the meeting, a woman walked in, and she asked if it was food distribution day. She was coming for food, and um, she was told that the food distribution was the week before, would be the week after, but it wasn't that day. And, um, and she began to cry. And... One of the, the persons who is there, who I know makes time for God, he, uh, he stood up and he went and he spoke with her and he took money that he had in his pocket that he said he normally wouldn't have had in his pocket and he gave it to her and she began to cry again. This time the tears were different. She thanked him. She left. He said a few minutes later she came back. She thanked him again, still weeping, still in deep gratitude for his generosity. And what I say to you is, is on that day, he encountered God. 
she encountered God. Both became a blessing for the other, as one is a witness and one is a recipient of, of just kindness and grace. But that was a, that was a moment. God, Jesus says that when we do it for the least of these, you do it for me. But the blessing wasn't just hers. It was his, and it was all of us either who saw it, who were there, or who have since heard the story. Because it reminds us, Jesus just he shows up, and he interrupts, and he impacts, and he blesses, and he reveals. And this is what God does when we learn to see it, when we make that relationship important. I will not sleep. My eyes will not slumber until I find a place for the Lord, till I have made the time in the relationship. What is your busyness? What is the allotment of your time? What does your schedule say about where God fits? And the challenge for you is have you made time for him? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that at no point are you too busy for us. At no point do we approach your throne of, of grace in which you turn us away. Tell us not now. You always welcome us. And not only do you welcome us, but you step into our stories and you meet us in unexpected places. Lord, thank you for that gift. Lord, help us to prioritize that relationship, to make it the passion, the focus of our lives, to allow our hearts to be shaped, our lives to be shaped by your Holy Spirit. Lord, speak to us and be real to us as we seek to walk with you. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.